Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Exit 105.9. shop and save yesterday and they had official wiffle ball and wiffle ball bat sets on sale a couple dozen of them official thin yellow bat ball with the oblong holes now if you can get a wiffle ball set at a supermarket that supermarket has absolutely everything you could possibly need the millville shop and save they got great cookies too Although when we played wiffle ball as kids, we did use the thin yellow bat, the official bat, but we used the solid plastic ball with seams on it. With the wiffle ball that has the oblong holes, too easy to throw a curve, and it breaks too much, too hard to hit. With the solid ball with seams, any break you got on the pitch, you had to earn. Plus you could hit it harder, and further. This segment brought to us by 84 Lumber, dynasty partner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's get some calls in because I'm I'm bored and I'm tired. And today, like like I mentioned earlier, it's my mom's birthday. Uh, she's been gone for 18 years. She would be 89. She was never going to make 89, nor am I. But I visited her grave today out in the North Hills. And I ate lunch where we would always eat lunch on, on special occasions like her birthday at the Monticello's on Babcock Boulevard. And because I had my tooth extracted yesterday, I had to stick with pasta. Something soft. Wedding soup is the appetizer, then pasta. And it was wonderful. And just sitting there, you feel like she's there. There are certain places I go to, like the hotel porch at Conneaut Lake, the Hotel Conneaut, Monticello's, where you just feel like she's there. And I mean that in the best way possible. I should have bought a wiffle ball set. I got yogurt, soft food, pudding, soft food, jello, soft food, skim milk for coffee. Should have got the wiffle ball set. I, I'd feel like I was all set for spring had I bought the wiffle ball set. Let's go to Kevin in the car. Kevin, you're on with Mark. Hey, Mark. Uh, first off, happy birthday to your mom. Right. Thank you. Uh, secondly, I just want to talk pirates for a second. I've been a a long-time sad fan of theirs. And watching them draft Paul Skeens first overall is the most bittersweet thing possible because you know he's the talent, but you know they're going to mess him up. I mean, just look at the history of the Pirates. 
I am totally with you. I say skip the minors. I say don't listen to the Pirates coaching staff and just have him do what he's supposed to do. Yeah, I, I think Paul Skeen should pitch the second home game. I, I think uh, Mitch Keller should pitch the first, Skeen's the second. That way you sell out both. As opposed to getting I mean, that, why not? As, as opposed to getting, no, nah, you would. If Skeen's pitched, you would. Uh, whatever his first yeah, major no, league start is, you'll sell the place out. Absolutely, I agree with you. I, I'll tell you who I'm starting to come around to, too. I used to make fun of Key Brian Hayes because I don't think he did very well early in his career except for that first, you know, month when he got called up. And I don't care about Golden Gloves because the game today, baseball, doesn't really care about Golden Gloves. That's not what wins. But the fact, the fact that he went to that Altoona hitting coach last year, when he wasn't getting satisfaction with the hitting coach Haynes in the major leagues, and he went to the guy in Altoona and dug his way out, even though that guy in Altoona got fired, I give Keep Ryan credit because he took charge of his own career. Too many athletes just do what they're told because they don't want to rock the boat, but before you know it, you suck, you're done, and there's no boat to rock. I give Hayes a lot of credit for showing some guts and guiding his own career. Hey, I agree with you, but now he's just got to make it happen this year. Him, O'Neill Cruz, Mitch Keller, it's it's time for everyone to put it together and see if we can make any progress. No question, and I, I don't think it'll happen. Let's go to Todd. Todd, you're on with Double M. Good day, sir. I said good day. Uh, with uh, Bill Hillgrove retiring, um, who do you think or who do you think would be a good fit uh, for uh, to step into those shoes. Well, I've heard it's going to be Rob King, and I think Rob would do a great job. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And then on your pulse, the only other choice would be Pompiani, but I'm not sure Pompiani would be able to add that to his already extensive schedule. Not that not that Rob doesn't otherwise work, but I think Rob his schedule is probably a better fit. Let's go to Chad and Munhall. Mark, good day. I said good day. Um, back whenever I used to go to my parents' camp and I was little, we used to take the whistle balls to the oblong holes and we'd tape them up with electrical tape and we could blast them out of the park. Yeah, but, but what's the point of that when you can buy the solid balls with seams on them? We used to break those in half. Really? Well, you yeah, were, I don't, my uncle you were about real sports. men then. You weren't like us sissies up in... Reserve Township. Uh, did you play fast pitch or slow pitch? I I played hockey. No, Dalt. I meant when you played wiffle ball. Did you play fast pitch? Oh, wiffle ball. Oh uh, yeah, we played fast pitch. Really? From how far away? Uh, I don't know. It was in my parents' field or up in our camp, so I'm not sure. Well, everybody, you're right. Everybody's wiffle ball field has different dimensions. They have these quote unquote big time tournaments that have you know specific dimensions. I just don't like the official ball because if you throw that fast, the curve's ridiculous. I don't know how anybody ever hits it. Let's go to John and Aliquippa. Good day, sir. I said good day. Uh, I had a few thoughts on this uh, Steelers quarterback situation. Oh, goody. My thing is, well, listen, my thing is, as long as Collins is affiliated with this team, I feel that we are not going to see a solid starting quarterback until he's gone. Uh, I, well, I well put, put, it, put it this way. I don't know if that's true. I mean, although Tomlin did inherit Ben. But, but the, my bitch about making Pickett the starter 
after the way he's played for two seasons. It's not about having the best quarterback and having the best chance to win. It's about them proving themselves right because they drafted Pickett 20th a few years back. They need to prove themselves right, even if it means losing. And that might sound dumb. Tell me that's not what's going on here, because there's no other logical reason to make Pickett the starter as clear-cut as he appears to be right now. You are totally spot on with that. I totally agree that this is their way of saying, we're right, we're right, we're right. And they're going to stuff him down our throats until people just turn away and finally get wise to it. and just No, nope, nope. you, you, you were right until you talked about turning away and get wise. They may get wise. They'll never turn away. Let's go to Ed. Big sexy, good day. I said good day. Getting a wiffle ball. How about cutting off the bottom part of the bat, stuffing up with some rags so you can really park them? You know, you know what else uh, you could do, too? It was tough to do What's to that? put back together, but you could if you could slice the end open, you could put handballs in it. So the handballs would roll up the bat with your swing and give so much more bat speed. But you'd have to get the top oh. of the bat back on, which ain't difficult, which which ain't easy, rather. Not not easy. is difficult. Because uh, I know guys who did that in softball, and certainly I'm sure it was done in baseball. Remember the old aluminum bats for baseball when we were kids? Yes. You take the top off of those and put in handballs or tennis balls. It accelerates your bat swing. Another one, too. How many arguments did you get in on a block over ghost runners? Uh, see, we didn't play ghost runners for wiffle ball. We played automatics where the ball landed was where, it, like, if you hit it, uh, like, we played up on Homestead Street in Montreal. If you hit it off the garage door across the street, it was a triple. If you hit it above the garage door, it was a home run. If you hit it in the driveway, it was a double. Um, anything short of the street was an out. The mean guys, old yard, the old mean guys yard, it's an automatic out, right? Man. No, we were lucky. We had, we had cooperation from the neighbors. Thank you for the call. Okay. We got the Hebrew hammer on hold. Hopefully he'll hang on. We'll get to him in a moment. And we got Staggy, Paul Steigerwald at the bottom of the hour, 105.9. Wait, the Hebrew hammer just hung up. He hung on almost all through the commercial break that hung up. What a jerk. Uh, the NFL combine, is it over yet? Is it just one week? I don't give a rat's ass. But I know who I want the Steelers to draft. Tyler Owens is a defensive back at the Combine. He's from Texas Tech, 6'2", 210. Described as a physical freak. Probably the fastest guy at the Combine. Now, Tyler Owens doesn't believe in space. Or that other planets exist. In other words, our concept of the universe which is pretty much proven in any number of ways. Tyler Owens disagrees. He doesn't think it's out there. And Tyler Owens thinks the concept of a flat earth makes sense. Tyler Owens is the guy the Steelers should draft. Tyler Owens needs to come on my show. And the first question I'd ask is, do you think that Hollywood filmed the moon landing? Was that a fake? Tyler Owens runs a 4.3 second 40 yard dash. Tyler Owens could cover the entirety of the flat earth. Tyler Owens is nuts. It'd be fun. 
flat earth, no planets. I love it. 412-333-WXDX, the number to call. As I mentioned earlier, Andy Russell passed away today. He was 83, one of the Steelers' all-time great players. Played on the team when it was bad, before Chuck Knoll. Made All-Pro then. Played on the team after it was great. And won Super Bowls with Chuck Knoll. Made All-Pro then. You got to respect anybody who played for a Super Bowl championship team. But for Andy Russell, and for that matter, his teammate, the late Ray Mansfield, to play for some of the worst Steeler teams ever and hang on till the team got to be one of the NFL's all-time best teams ever, that's a special sort of accomplishment. Andy Russell was a special type of player and a special type of man. Jack Ham is going to join me at uh, 5.15 to talk about Andy Russell. I still can't get over that Shoei Otani has a secret wife. With a camera being everywhere and social media, how could Shoei Otani keep that secret? And he's very evidently kind of weird, too, because he didn't want anything leaked about his free agent contract negotiations. And he got his way because teams didn't want him to get mad at him. But a secret wife, like I said earlier, I bet she's a big fat soap. It's a sumo culture, Ted. They pay by the pound. Let's go to Paul. Paul, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. Uh, I wanted to find out. I'm from Reserve. I wanted to find out if you uh, ever saw uh, Andy Russell in the Monterey Inn years ago. That's not true. Yeah, it is. I saw him like a number of times. What on earth was he doing in the Montreux Inn? Because he didn't live in Reserve Township. I don't know. He was in the back. Uh, he was always with somebody else. And he was friendly. But, you know, you could ask anybody in Reserve. I bet, sure I bet it was somebody you thought was Andy Russell. Pardon me? I bet it was an Andy Russell impersonator. <laughs> okay, that's what you think. I can't imagine that Andy Russell would have been in the Montreux Inn, which now, sadly, as we know, is closed. Thank you for the call. i got to get to the pig bar again real soon. Golub's Tavern. What's it called now? The Hogshead. The Hogshead on Spring Garden Avenue. The last restaurant slash bar open in Reserve Township, I think, unless I miss my guess. Reserve Township, where I grew up, used to be the king of bars. Not, not as many as Millville. No place on earth has as many bars as Millville, even now. But Reserve Township used to have the Cedars closed, Hawks Inn closed, Montreux Inn closed, the one at the corner by the bank, I forget what it was called, closed, the Cave Bar, what was it called? At the bottom of, of the, where, where Troy Hill and Montreux connect, closed, a Hogshead. Last bar standing. The last time I was there, not a lot of guys in it were able to stand, so it's a reserve township bar for sure. Up next, Hockey Talk with Staggy. Ah, Staggy. 105.9. Penguins with a disappointing loss last night in Seattle. Joining me now to talk about it from the Penguins Radio Network. He's been around the team pretty much since day one. He is Paul Steiger. Well, Staggy, every time the Penguins lose, we say, 
they got to win the next one to stay in it. Well, they've lost a lot of games where they've sit where we've said that prior. Are they now just out of it? Well, I don't think you're out of it until you're out of it. But that's my my personal feeling, and I go by what Sidney Crosby thinks. You know, um, he's going to keep playing the way he plays because he believes that the, that they still have a shot. And you know, he, when he looked up at me last Saturday and with an unsolicited remark, I didn't even say a word to him. I was just standing. There. You know how he is when you sit. He sits there in his stall, and people kind of gather around and just stand there, like like waiting for words of wisdom. He just looked up at me and said, "We're still in this." And so as long as he believes that and plays like he believes it, like I, I'm willing to go along with that. But, if you know, if you want to be realistic uh, from a fan standpoint or a media standpoint, it doesn't look very good right now. you got to trade Gensel, don't you? It's just logical at this point. I'm saying it, it, it's to me it's it's still possible because of the games in hand. But, you know, to lose a game last night, which was essentially a game in hand, you know that's a step backwards. So it, it's 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 not looking good today. It was feeling a lot better after they won a couple games in a row. They went three zero and one, and you were starting to believe that maybe they were going to put something together. But it's it's a long shot to say the least. Well, no, I'm talking about trading Gensel. I mean, it being a long shot, you got to trade him. You can't let him walk away for nothing. And Staggy, like I've said all season. It's not about just making the playoffs to, to justify retaining Gensel. I have to be sure they're going to win a round before I retain him. Otherwise, what have you really gained by keeping him? Yeah, I'm sorry I didn't answer your question directly. I, That's okay. I, I to get a little interruption on my phone. Yeah, J- Jake Gensel, I think, is going to be traded. Uh, you know, I don't think there's any doubt about it now. I really believe he's going to be gone. And what's really amazing is he's he quite possibly has already played his final game as a Penguin because he's injured. And he's not eligible to come back till after the trading deadline. So I think we may have seen the last of Jake Ensel. Um, well, I think the Edmonton Oilers are interested in Jake Ensel. Yeah, and, that, that's uh, what I've heard, too. I've heard Florida. I've heard Vegas. And, and that's good because maybe Dubas can get a bidding war going. But the one thing I wouldn't do is trade him just to trade him. I, this will sound dumb considering I think you got to trade him. But I'd keep him before I gave him away cheap. I wouldn't just dump him to get something. I want to get a great deal. And I heard Edmonton is unwilling to give up their best prospect in any deal. Well, I'd move on from Edmonton then. I'd say, you want to keep not winning with McDavid? You go right ahead and keep not winning with McDavid. Yeah, and I think if you have the option to pick another team that's giving you a better deal, then you go with that, obviously. So you're right about the bidding war. I mean, that's a, this is a situation the Penguins haven't been in in a long time. I think they have to take make the most of it. And... uh and, and so it's up to the Kyle Dubas and his staff to make sure that the deal that they're offered is the best deal in terms of the quality of what they're getting back, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, how many picks, what's the first round pick prospect in a current player, which is usually what the going rate is. Um, then it just depends on, you know, what, what the, the teams are going to say they don't want to give up a, this player or that until they're faced with, uh, having to really make a decision that's going to, be competitive. One that, you know, they say, well, if, if, if these guys get this guy and we don't, that's not good for us, you know. So it has to be kind of a competitive situation to maximize what you get in return. No doubt about that. And last night's game was frustrating because I thought the Penguins obviously played good enough to win, had a bunch of shots. They didn't get enough traffic at the net, though, to make those shots count to get second bites of the apple. I'm not sure Grabauer had to, had to steal that win or work that hard to get that shutout for Seattle in goal. 
No, he didn't. Um, I, there wasn't enough traffic, and, and the Penguins, did, from my taste, didn't get a lot of second-chance opportunities. It almost felt as though Seattle was conceding shots from the outside to prevent any uh, opportunities down low. Uh, so they would let Grubauer see the puck. He makes the first save, uh, and there's no second-chance opportunities. That's what it felt like to me, and I, I felt like the Penguins were just kind of taking advantage of what they were, were giving them without also taking some things from them so they could score. Um, on another night, though, they may have scored two or three goals, you know, just the way things go sometimes. But uh, it, it, it probably was a bit of a mirage uh, in terms of the number of shot attempts they had versus what they gave up. And also, it was more, unfortunately, in keeping with how they played all year, which is that they have often dominated on the shot clock and not been able to score because they don't finish very well. Their shooting percentage is very low. And this is going a problem that's gone back to last year. So, uh, and, and you hear them talking about underlying numbers all the time. But the fact of the matter is that it's been a real problem for the Penguins that they generate offense, but they don't generate goals. And uh, that's obviously what you're trying to do. We're talking to Staggy here on the home of the Penguins 105.90X. In the other night, I thought Jari was real good. And I felt terrible when Seattle got that first goal off that crazy bounce, not just for Jari, but for the Penguins to go in at the first intermission trailing after the way they played in the first 20 minutes, that that had to be mind-numbing. That was a bad omen for me. I mean, when it happened, I had already kind of come to the conclusion based on the millions of hockey games that you and I have watched, we know how that script goes. You get chances early, they don't go in, you don't score, you don't take advantage of the fact that for a period of time you are dominating territorially and on the shot clock and you have nothing to show for it. It usually comes back to bite you in the backside later on. So I felt like that was the beginning of what looked like a very familiar script. And the, the only thing the Penguins could do at that point was somewhat overcome the uh, the history of those kinds of situations and they just couldn't do it. It's, it's unfortunate because... They weren't far. All they needed was one shot to go in, and it just didn't happen. And, and, and see, that's the problem. When you get to a point in the season where points are so precious that you can't concede any to anyone, you know, with, with, for fear of missing the playoffs, you, you your margin for error is so thin that a game like that takes on a lot more meaning in terms of how it makes you feel when you lose it. You know, it's it's like well. If you lose a game like that in November, you know, well, that's just the way it goes sometimes in hockey. But now they have no margin for games like that to occur. They have to win games where they basically outplay their opponent, and that doesn't always happen. What do you do with Gino? No goals in 12 games, and he don't look the part either. No, he has a little more jump in his step here lately with O'Connor and Pustin and playing pretty well on either side of him, although they moved O'Connor to a different line last night. Uh, for a while and had Eller up there. I mean, you know, the, 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 my feeling is that Gino's, it's just really disappointing because here's the thing about Gino. Like, he's such an important part of their offense. Like, he's supposed to score. Okay. You have to have him producing because you know that it, when he's not producing, there's other elements of his game that are, that detract sometimes from what the Penguins are trying to accomplish. So if he's detracting and not adding, that's a double whammy. And, and it's, it's, just, it's just killing the Penguins right now. Like, you have to have – the Penguins rely on that uh, on Gino and Sid to be driving forces offensively. And if he's not doing it, you, you're uh, – the Penguins are, I think, just not going to be successful. It's just as simple as that. Well, here's the, the bigger problem moving forward. You got him for two more years. Whether he's done 
whether he can rebound, he's going to be here for two more years. And exacerbating the problem is they'll never put him at, like, third-line center. He could score zero goals between now and the end of the season, show up to camp next year 10 pounds overweight, and he would be the number two center. That's just how the protocol goes. Unless, unless he agrees and they think that there's a possibility that he could adjust and play the wing. Yeah, but on, but, but, on, but on whose line? I don't know. Well, I mean, if, 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 if Gensel's gone and Gino plays the left wing with Sid for a while to see what happens, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm willing to take that chance. No way. No fair. way. He's too slow. Sid's whole game is based on speed. Yeah, well, that's true. You know, I mean, listen, uh, maybe he's left wing on the second line. I don't know, but maybe he has to play the wing going forward. Well, the one thing that encourages me on Gino's behalf, I like the energy that Pustin and, and O'Connor have brought on his line. They need to get more results to be sure. But you talked about Gino having a bit more spark lately. I agree, and I think that might be why. I, I, I think that is why, and I think it's been very encouraging. Last night, Gino had what I thought were two glorious scoring chances. He missed the net on one. It's possible the other one was blocked. But, you know, we can't afford to have him missing the net on that chance. That was a one that was set up by Eric Carlson, who looked really good last night. And Gino didn't even hit the net. He was the only guy who didn't have a shot on goal. I mean, you know, he had shot the temps, but he didn't hit the net. You know, he's he's, he's just got to – right now, we can't just can't afford to have Gino not there. He's got to – He's got to step it up and be a and be a force. Yeah, at some point he has to, you know, kind of be rejuvenated here to the extent that he actually makes a difference in, in hockey games. And uh, you know, I'm not not to say that the, he he wasn't part of what those that line did to to help the Penguins over the last few games because he was, but he he's not the one scoring the goals. And you know, I think if you're relying on Pustin and O'Connor to provide the goals, you know, you're going to see some. Some nice, uh, you know, uh, offensive spark. You're going to get all that stuff, forechecking, territorial advantage, but you're not necessarily going to get goals. Gino's got to score. Yeah, and that line's got to score, and that's the one thing discouraging me about Pustinen. O'Connor's put some pucks in lately, but Pustinen, I think he's played real well. I like the speed. I like the confidence, but he has two goals in 27 games. Yeah, and he's, but he, he may just now be coming into his own, though, whereas you leave him there, let him play, he might start to score. He had a real nice chance last night on a one-timer uh, that was kind of right in his wheelhouse. I mean, that's the kind of goals he scored in the minors. So I think you got to let him keep playing and see and see if suddenly he starts to find the net. But as I was just saying, to rely on those two to provide the goals on that line is Gino's the guy who's supposed to be the, the one who pulls the trigger and scores the goals in the final analysis. He ha- he has to do it. Staggy, I thought Eric Carlson, despite the loss, played really well last night. Uh, have we been too rough on him this year and underrated how he's playing? Did we maybe expect too much when he got here? What's your current take on Eric Carlson? I think that it's been taking him a long time to really kind of get into playing the way he uh, needs to play to be effective, and I don't know why that is because I know that they've been encouraging him to use his legs more, to skate, and he wasn't skating. He was you know, kind of standing still at times and then getting going and then at the blue line, he would kind of move around a little bit, but he was trying shots all the time that would end up getting blocked. He, you know, he, instead of skating by people, he was trying to shoot the puck through with them and, and just things like that that were really frustrating, turning pucks over. And then, of course, when he turns the puck over and it creates a scoring chance the other way, unfortunately, he's now <laughs> the guy who's supposed to 
stop the scoring chance from occurring. He's created one for them, and now he has to stop it, and he's not particularly good at that. So the best thing he can do is generate offense without generating turnovers and, and chances the other way. And I think he's started to do that now. I see him skating a lot better. He's carrying the puck with authority. He's trying things in the offensive zone. That play he made the other night in overtime, a good example. But it's more than that. He's been going down the wall with the puck, and he's been carrying it through the neutral zone with speed and attacking into the offensive zone and carrying it deep, things like that. That's what he needs to do. I'm not saying he needs to be Bobby Orr, but he definitely needs to be a guy who has uh, uh, you know, the puck more and carries it with more authority to create offense. Well, he leads the team in assists, and that's certainly – saying something you know who else is doing okay oh, on oh, he's a point getter i mean he's gonna get points mark i don't think there's any doubt about that he's a point machine but you know it, it, there's there's more to it than that you know uh, the penguins are gonna get get their cookies but I, I i need eric carlson to be a guy who essentially tilts the scales you know in the penguins favor more than he does you know who else, you know who else is playing okay lately is poj as latang's partner at about time I like him there, you know. He's another. See, it's, I feel like Latang, POJ, and Eric Carlson all have untapped offensive prowess, or uh, it, it, it's it's there and they don't utilize it enough. I, and maybe they've been encouraging Carlson to skate more. I feel like they should be doing that with all those guys. I, I feel like POJ should be unleashed a little bit more. A few uh, games back, uh, he took off in the neutral zone with the puck. He was going a thousand miles an hour. He he actually carries the puck faster uh, than anybody else on the Penguins right now. That's how fast he is when he gets going. It's unbelievable. You know, with the exception of maybe Sid. I'm not kidding. That's how that's how good he looks carrying the puck sometimes. But you see that like once every twenty games, and and I just don't know why he and, he, and I talked to him about it, and he said he it's confidence. But I think it's more than confidence. I think it's the confidence that the coaches have in him to do it. It's not his confidence in, in himself to do it. It's, it's its the belief that maybe the coaches don't have the confidence in him to allow him to do it. And it, 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 they've got to break through that barrier with him. They've got to give him a chance to take the puck and carry it with authority, the way Trevor Daly used to do it. Just take off with it. You've got the wheels. Carry it. Create something off your off the rush with your speed. And, and, you know, it's up to the forwards who are on the ice to watch the back door if he does it. Um, I, I just think that the, the, his, he has untapped talent. And you're starting to see it more since he started playing with Chris Letang because he's playing more, right? I mean, it just stands to reason that if he's put in that position, then he's going to have more opportunities to show what he can do. Finally, Staggy, um, you know what's been so typical of this trip out west so far? I figured they'd lose to Vancouver and beat Seattle, and they do the opposite. Like whenever you think they're moving forward, they step backward and vice versa too. But then again, that's what teams in the middle of the pack do. You're right. It's kind of a, a symptom of, of a 500 team, but, but also that's hockey, right? Like I think when you go into a four game trip out West, you hope you're going to get X number of points. You don't care how they come. You just got to figure you're going to get, you're going to win three out of four, or you're going to get X number of points out of the total of eight that are available. The nice thing about playing out west, now you're not going against the teams you're battling for playoff position, but you also aren't conceding points to them if you end up, say, losing in overtime. At least you got a clean one point. You didn't get, you know, give two to the other guys. Or if you win in overtime, you didn't concede a point to the other guys like you do in the east. 
So in that respect, there are clean points available to the Penguins, and I hope when this whole trip is over with, it would be nice if they end up with more than half of those points. It would be really nice. So they have eight at their disposal. We'll see what they do. Staggy, before we let you go, the big event in Pittsburgh, obviously, two weeks from tonight at uh, the Lamp Theater in Irwin, the Pittsburgh return of <laughs> Kingdom Come. Uh, your brother Dan's bad. You're going to be there, right? Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I want to see what the new singer's like. His name is Ezekiel. I'm looking forward to hearing him. Well, I would like to think a I guy might... named Ezekiel got to be a good singer. <laughs> I'm hoping I get a chance to go to the rehearsal or something next week. Maybe get a, catch a glimpse of him before the show. That's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking I'm going to ch- ch- talk to my brother about doing. Staggy, so if, we'll if, that, if that happens, smart me up. I'll show up. I'd love to see it. Oh, absolutely. I'll let you know. And, and it reminds me of when they first came on the scene in the late 80s. I, uh, I was out west with the Penguins, and I got a chance to go see them rehearse in a rehearsal studio in L.A. They have these beautiful rehearsal studios for those bands to get ready for their shows. And I went and saw them rehearsing for their shows, and uh, it was pretty awesome to see them in that setting because they were great. They were a great band. They all were great musicians, and uh, it was really a pleasure to see them in that setting. I saw them in theaters and stadiums and all that, but to see them in a rehearsal studio playing was really great. Staggy, you know who I'm still rooting for a comeback is Royal Jelly. That's one only you, me, and Dan and a couple <laughs> other people know, but we got to get Royal Jelly back together. Staggy, as always, great stuff. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, Mark, take care. That's Paul Steigerwald. I'm Mark Madden. We got Jack Cam next hour talking about the late, great Andy Russell, 105.9. Friday, March 8th is international. That's a long intro. Come on, Lenny. Come on. Gotta love the cowbell. You know that is on guitar. Danny Stagg. Danny Steigerwald. Brother of Paul, John, and Bill. How cool is that? Uh, to tell the Kingdom Come story. Okay, fade that out. 1988, this album comes out. Self-titled Kingdom Come. And that was the single, Get It On. People thought that Led Zeppelin had secretly reformed and that was their comeback song. No, I said, hey, no way. The singer, it's it's the same, you know, high-pitched type of deal as Robert Plant, but, but not the same voice, obviously. Lyrics too juvenile, even for Led Zeppelin. But a great song. And Danny Stagg, the biggest part of, well, I shouldn't say that. The original incarnation of Kingdom Come was unbelievably good. James Kartak, who passed away not too long ago on drums. Lenny Wolf on vocals. Danny Stagg on guitar. Johnny B. Frank on bass. Rick Steyer on guitar. Now there's this show uh, with the current version at the Lamp Theater two weeks from tonight. And it's, it's Danny... Rick Steyer, Johnny B, 
Matt Muckle, who's a, a buddy of mine from Reserve Township for, for many years. His dad cut my hair for many years. Now his brother does. Great drummer. And then this Zeke guy on vocals, brand new guy. I saw uh, this version of Kingdom Come, different singer, playing not too long ago. It was great. This will be great. Danny Stagg's a really great guitar player. And I was uh, telling the story, kind of intimating about this band called uh, Royal Jelly. That was Danny Stagg's band after Kingdom Come broke up for a while with a guy named Jonathan Edwards, who was briefly the singer for Foreigner. And him and uh, Danny Stagg formed this band, and I heard the demo. It was really good. And this record exec loved Royal Jelly, and then the record exec died, and that was it for Royal Jelly. But I still have the demo somewhere. But Danny Stagg, great guitar player. So go check out that show. 412-333-WXDX, the number to call. We're going to talk to Jack Cam about the late Andy Russell at 515. Uh, Andy passed away today at the age of 82. Uh, he was a starting linebacker along with Hammond Lambert on the first two Steelers Super Bowl championship teams. Uh, played for the Steelers when they were really bad prior to Chuck Knoll. Chuck came to the team, said in his first meeting with the team, we're going to be good, and when we are, most of you won't be here. But Andy Russell stayed, and he was great. That linebacking trio, Russell, him, and Lambert, arguably the best linebacking trio in history. I think so. People talk about that Dome Patrol in New Orleans, Ricky Jackson, them guys, who played for Pitt, but who'd they ever beat? I don't think they got a single playoff win. How good could they have been? So uh, Andy Russell, two-time Super Bowl champ, four times All-Pro, seven times a pro bowler. Uh, went into business internationally after uh, he was done with football. He once did business with Osama bin Laden, no kidding, prior to bin Laden becoming, of course, this murderous terrorist. Uh, uh, Andy Russell, just a first-class guy. Met him on a number of occasions, interviewed him. He's been on this show. What a pro. What a great player. What a great guy. So Andy Russell, RIP. And Jack's going to join me to talk about Andy at 515. Uh, Jack and Andy Russell were very similar players. They were just all-around linebackers. And the outside linebacking position has changed so much, and not for the better, if you ask me. Now the outside backers, like T.J. White, you want to call him an outside backer, right? All he does is rush the passer. Rushes the passer like 95% of the time. Does that make him great? I guess so. He won Defensive Player of the Year. I am telling you that T.J. Watt couldn't carry uh, Jack Ham's jock strap in a goalie equipment bag. Because Jack Ham played football. T.J. Watt just rushes the passer. He's great at it. But all he does is rush the passer. Andy Russell, Jack Ham, they were actual linebackers. Let's go to BMAC. BMAC, what's up? Double M, how you doing, sir? Terrific. Hey, um, I apologize. This isn't a sports call, but uh, I just gotta tell you, wow, I love that Kingdom Come song you just played. I I never heard that, or I have heard it and forgot. But wow, I just love that groove and their sound. And uh, I tell you, you know, um, it, I guess it was like you know a little bit after, before my time and stuff like that. But 
Wow, I mean, I just really love that song you played. The Steigerwalds, they can rock. Let's hear that riff one more time going into break. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.